This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories this Tuesday. Governor Jared Polis was in Glenwood yesterday and spoke to the Valley Alliance to end homelessness. He also delivered a Western Slope-focused State of the State address to CMC students, educators, and local electeds. Caroline Yanez has more. The governor commended the Valley Alliance to End Homelessness, saying that the collaborative approach was a model for other communities around the state. The group's membership includes Pitkin, Eagle, and Garfield counties, as well as Mine Springs Health, Recovery Resources, and the West Mountain Regional Health Alliance. Polis says these partnerships are critical because these groups really know the communities they serve. We rely on creative problem solvers on the ground in communities across the state. We let each community develop their own way of approaching it, their own strategies, and then we try to help financially where we can and with state resources. He also discussed how communities as different as Carbondale and Denver have been handling new arrivals, mostly from Venezuela. Polis called on Congress to pass comprehensive immigration legislation and said Colorado's congressional delegation is working to speed up the asylum and work permitting process. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. There is now one less candidate running in Carbondale's Board of Trustees election in April. Nicholas DeFrank turned in a nominating petition, but has since withdrawn from the race, according to the town clerk. Six remaining candidates are vying for three open seats. The candidates are Jess Robeson, April Spaulding, Katie Tabor, Susan Ray, Christina Montemayor, and Ross Cribbs. Republican State Senator Perry Will of Newcastle has decided not to run for re-election and is instead joining the Garfield County Commissioner race. After losing his seat in the State House, Will was appointed to the State Senate last year to fill the vacancy left by Bob Rankin of Carbondale, who resigned unexpectedly. According to the Glenwood Springs Post-Independent, Will now hopes to fill the seat left vacant by longtime Garfield County Commissioner John Martin, who announced he won't run for re-election. Silt resident Caleb Waller is the only other Republican who has filed to run for the seat so far. Democrats Caitlin Carey and Doug Salg have also entered the race. Will told the Post-Independent that there would be a learning curve for him in the new role, but he knows the county's issues well. Basalt High School is holding a fundraiser next week for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which provides special experiences to kids with critical illnesses. The student council was assigned to raise money for a six-year-old in Blackhawk, Colorado, named Brielle, who's been diagnosed with leukemia. Cayenne Sullivan is a ninth-grade representative at Basalt High School and is getting the word out. At age six, which is less than half my age, being diagnosed with leukemia, would be just truly devastating in my opinion. And her positive outlook on the circumstances she has right now is just truly incredible. So anything we can do to help, I think is well-deserved. The fundraiser includes a series of events next week that require an entry fee. For example, students can try to sink a half-court shot during a halftime at some of the high school's basketball games. The proceeds will help fund a special trip for Brielle, who sent the students a video to thank them for their hard work. Hi, my name is Brielle, and thank you for raising the money. Um, I want to go to Hawaii. Thank you. Local businesses and individuals can pledge money to support the fundraiser, too. You can learn more by contacting Basalt High School directly or find information on their social media pages. 
The Aspen School District recently became aware of numerous hoax bomb threats affecting various locations nationwide. While there was no specific threat to Aspen schools, they're reminding the school community that they can report suspicious behavior anonymously using the Safe to Tell app. The district's safety director says hoax threats disrupt the learning environment, waste resources, and may put first responders in unnecessary danger. For the first time in the history of the Winter X Games, male and female athletes had an equal number of competitions this year, thanks to the addition of women's ski and snowboard knucklehug events where athletes launch off the rollover of the big air jump. Kaya Williams has more. Saturday's event wasn't the first time a woman ever competed in the knucklehuck. 21-time X Games medalist Jamie Anderson did it a few years ago when she was invited to join the men's competition. Anderson was a commentator this weekend and told the crowds it was amazing to see the women hold their own. It meant a lot to the spectators, too. Alexia Lewis was one of the chaperones for about 50 Girl Scouts who got VIP access to watch the event. Our girls come every year to support the women, but I think it's wonderful to see a historic moment like this for our girls and just show them that they can, you know, be up there with with anybody else. The knucklehuck podiums featured a mix of X Games rookies and seasoned veterans who did front flips, 360s, and other tricks. Snowboarder Egan Wint, here for her first X Games, was moved to joyful tears at the medal ceremony where she took home bronze. This is just totally insane. I live a really cool life and I've worked really hard for it, but it always seems unattainable and until you're there and here we are. Her advice for all those Girl Scouts, just do what you like to do every day. And if you stick with it, you might be surprised where you land. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. This weekend marked the 10th year of Pitkin County's incident management team working at the X Games. The team, which provides safety assistance, is led by the Pitkin County Sheriff's Office, and it's made up of agencies from across the region. About 30 members were on site or on standby at Mountain Rescue Aspen over the weekend. The safety team is mobilized when an incident surpasses a local agency's capabilities. In local arts and culture news, the Momix Dance Company will return to Aspen tomorrow night for a performance of Alice in Wonderland. It's organized by the Aspen Santa Fe Ballet. Momix is known for combining movement with illusion and fantasy, and for the way its dancers contort their bodies into larger-than-life shapes. Tomorrow's show takes place at the Aspen District Theater at 7.30 p.m., and there were only a few tickets left as of this morning. Submissions are now open for Skiko's NEPSA Photo and Video Awards, which will be celebrated in March. The contest is a local's favorite, and the name is just Aspen, spelled backwards. There are several categories for still photos, including Best Action Shot, Best Scenic Photo, and Most Creative. For the short film contest, there's no required theme or category, just a time limit of five minutes. Submissions are due by March 6th for photos and March 15th for videos through the link at aspensnowmass.com. Skiko staff will select the finalists whose work will be presented for audience judging at the Wheeler on March 21st. Cash prizes will be awarded to the winners. 
In statewide news, nearly 40,000 migrants have arrived in Denver over the past year. As NBC News reports, that makes Denver the top destination per capita for newly arrived migrants crossing the U.S. southern border. The city will enact stricter limits on the number of days people can stay in shelters starting next Monday, February 5th. Denver Health, the city's safety net hospital, is asking for more money from the state and federal government to help cover $10 million in medical bills from migrants. Denver Mayor Mike Johnston estimates the city will need $100 million this year to pay for housing, schooling, health care, and other services for newly arrived migrants as they apply for work permits. Locally, the town of Carbondale recently received over $223,000 from the state to run two temporary winter shelters for about 40 migrants. And in regional news, climbers around the region are pushing back against proposed guidelines that may regulate some hardware people use to scale mountains and rocks in wilderness areas. Earlier this month, the Teton Climbers Coalition in Wyoming became the latest advocacy group to tell federal agencies the new restrictions could make the sport unsafe. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KHOL's Hannah Mersbach reports. The new rules from the National Park Service and Forest Service would allow fixed anchors on only a case-by-case basis. These are most often metal rings drilled into rocks that climbers thread ropes through to lower themselves down. They're installed throughout the Tetons in places like the Grand. Those are pretty much invisible to anybody who is not doing the climb and not actively looking for them. Charlie Thomas with the Climbers Coalition helped write the letter to the federal agencies. He says these anchors are also used in emergencies when a lightning storm rolls in and climbers need to get to low ground. And removing them means people would have to look for other ways to get down. Which would not only be not safe, but it would also potentially create a much greater impact on the wilderness area because then people are going to have to create descent trails. But some conservationists supporting the rules say they're essential to limit impacts on the environment. The National Park Service and Forest Service are accepting comments on the proposed rules through the end of the month. Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Kaya Williams, and me, your host, Eleanor Bennett. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.